Hi, I'm Gary, and this is episode 93 of EV Musings, a podcast about renewables, electric vehicles, and things that are interesting to electric vehicle owners. On the show today, we'll be doing something a little different. It's all around conversations I've had with people who don't want EVs. Before we start, a reminder that if you're a patron, you get a special patron-only episode of the podcast this Thursday. Hope you enjoy it. Our main topic of discussion today is conversing with EV sceptics. Now, let me set the scene for you. You're out and about in your car and you stop somewhere, maybe to charge or maybe just for a meal at a pub or shopping at Tesco, etc. Someone you may or may not know looks at your car and says, is that electric? And you nod, knowing that this conversation is going to go one of two ways. If you're lucky, it goes the way of the conversation I had with a young lady a couple of weeks back. She had a Fiat 500 that was a couple of years old, and I told her the new version that's just come out is electric. And she said, oh, I know, I'm getting one as soon as the lease on this one's up. Electric's the way forward. If you're unlucky, the person you're chatting to will purse their mouth up and shake their head and say something along the lines of, no, not going to work for me. Now, at this point, you've got a couple of choices. The easiest choice is to smile and say, probably not, and walk off. The harder choice is to engage and see what their issues are. Similar things happen on Twitter or other social media. And I'm not talking about the trolls who like to reiterate the right-wing media misinformation about EVs. The batteries are made from child mined cobalt, last three years and cost a fortune to replace. Or the electricity coming from the power plants is made by burning coal, so you're not actually doing anything to save the environment. For a list of those myths and legends, see episode one of the podcast. No, I'm talking about those social media posts which come from a genuine ignorance or a desire to not be inconvenienced by this electric vehicle thing. I saw a post recently from someone who'd said something along the lines of EVs won't work for me because every year I take a 525 mile journey from Scotland to Suffolk and there isn't an EV that can do that, but my turbo diesel Vauxhall does it without a problem. I also know other people who won't even consider an electric car for various reasons, including because they saw a queue of cars waiting at a charger when they went across to Europe one year and don't fancy the idea of waiting for a charge. So, how do we engage with these stories? Well, first we need to understand whether or not someone's actually trying to get informed about this, or whether they're fundamentally opposed to EVs in general. The best way to find out about whether someone falls into this camp is to answer one of their issues with facts and see what happens. If they swap to another issue, then they're trolling or fundamentally opposed. For example, if they say, a car that can only do 100 miles on a charge is no good for me, and you answer, well, the majority of cars on the market today will do 150 to 200 miles on a charge, with many of them exceeding 200 or 250 miles. If they then move on to, but they're all so expensive, you answer, the MG ZX E5 is cheaper than an equivalent Escort, and the Mini Electric costs less than the ICE model it was based on. If they then move on to another argument, the government will start to tax electricity when they lose fuel revenue. Stop arguing, because they're not there to be informed, they're just there to troll. If they have a fundamental opposition, the best thing to do is to tell them, I understand that EVs are probably not the best thing for you at the moment, thank you. And that allows you to both keep cool and move on. These people are the modern equivalent of the Luddites who won't move forward until the absolute latest point, and even then it'll be kicking and screaming. But... On those occasions where there is someone who could be persuaded to think more about it, the right approach is to actually give them something to think about. Let's take the situation of the guy wanting to do the 525 mile journey which he can do in his diesel at the moment. When challenged on the fact that a 525 mile journey without a stop is both dangerous and silly, he said, well I make a 30 or 45 minute stop in T-Bay for food and a quick stop at Warwick Services for a Starbucks. 
Now instantly, this changed the narrative for this individual. Instead of him needing to do a 525 mile journey on a single charge, incidentally, the Tesla Roadster is rumoured to be able to do 1,000 kilometres on a charge, which is 600 miles. He was in a situation where his 30 or 45 minute stop around T-Bay could add enough charge to get into Warwick services and his stop in Warwick could let him charge enough to continue his destination, which was down, I believe, near Woking. Now, at around the same time, friend of the podcast, Jonathan Porterfield, posted that he'd done a 600 mile EV journey from Orkney to Leicester with two stops of 30 minutes along the route. Now, obviously, almost any Tesla could do this, and so could the Kia e-Niro, the e-Soul, the Hyundai Kona, the VW ID3, ID4, Skoda Enyaq, and the Kia EV6. With all these cars having charge speeds of 77 kilowatts and higher, and most of them having charge speeds of 125 kilowatts and above, recharging in that time would be simple and straightforward. T-Bay has superchargers, and nearby Killington Lake has Ecotricity units, which should be upgraded within months to the new 125 kilowatt ABB chargers, and should also have expanded by an additional 8 to 12 chargers within a year or so. Many, many other EVs could do this journey with a little more planning and one or two additional stops, but let's not go there just now. The other barrier that I get a lot from EV sceptics is related to time spent at chargers. They see someone sitting there with their EV connected to a charger and they say, I don't want that. I can't be sitting doing nothing for an hour while my car charges. I need to be on the road. Well, there's two things that I push back on with that. The first is the actual length of time spent at a charger. Personally, I never spend more than 15 to 20 minutes getting a charge. And this is on a car with a 30 kilowatt hour battery. I have a car that will take 80 kilowatts charging and it's really good. The last time I actually charged at a public charger, I was there for eight minutes. That's all I needed. Are there people who spend longer at a charger? Of course there are. Some people have much larger batteries. I'm looking at you, iPace, Taycan and Model X 100D owners. But in all cases, these cars can accept faster charges, so the amount of time they need to spend at a charger is not huge. The problem is that internal combustion engine drivers want to model the ICE process of taking an empty tank and filling it right to the top, and that's rarely done in an EV. For a start, you rarely run your battery down to zero. For a second thing, you rarely charge your battery to 100%. In reality, I generally charge from about 30% to about 75 or 80% in 15 minutes on a rapid charger. Even if I have time and I'm doing something else, such as recording a video with someone at a charger, my car automatically shuts off at 93% state of charge anyway. You just don't charge completely empty to completely full on a public charger. It doesn't happen. Secondly, there's this image of people sitting in their cars doing nothing, just waiting. But people don't do that. They use the time to get other things done. If you're Norwegian blogger Bjorn Nyland, you're editing your videos. If you're me, you're updating social media or putting together podcast scripts. If you're on a Tesla, you're watching YouTube videos or playing games on the in-car screen. But what really boils my pee is those people who will happily park up at a McDonald's or a Greg's, buy a sandwich, sit in their car eating it for 10 or 15 minutes, go to the loo and then leave, but will balk at the idea of doing the same thing while their car is plugged into a charger. It happened last month when I was travelling north. I stopped at an Instavolt in Sheffield. It had a Greg's and a Starbucks. I plugged in, got a bit of food and a drink and consumed them. I was there about 13 minutes overall. While I was there, I saw numerous people sitting outside the Starbucks drinking coffee or outside the Greggs wolfing down their steak pies. They were there for the same length of time as I was, and in many cases longer, but the idea of having to sit and wait for a car to charge was anathema to them. Now, before we go any further, I want to talk about the concept of edge cases. 
An edge case is a particular set of circumstances which are so specific and unusual that they would render a given solution impossible. An example of an edge case with respect to EVs would be the person who lives in the middle of Wales, has no electricity in their house, needs to tow two tonnes of equipment for their job and travels 300 miles a day with only a 15 minute break for lunch. Those circumstances are so particular that an EV would never work for them at the moment. There are any number of people who consider themselves to be an edge case when it comes to EVs, but in reality, a large number of them are only edge cases because they refuse to alter their approach to things. For instance, I worked with a guy who was very pro-EV, but he wouldn't consider one for himself because he was an edge case. He told me, oh, I do regular long-distance runs 300 miles or so, and I don't stop. I just keep driving. I don't want to waste time charging. I've got a tank that does 500 miles, so I don't need to stop. That's not an edge case. That's someone who's driving well beyond their physical means and is endangering himself and others. Incidentally, that same guy had a heart attack about a month or so after we chatted. Don't worry, he's fine now, but I wonder how much of this approach was a contributory factor. As we move forward, let's bear in mind what is a genuine edge case and what is a voluntary edge case. There are edge cases for whom an EV just will not work. If your job involves you towing something heavy for many, many miles per day, every day, the chances are that there isn't an EV you can get that won't cost you an arm and a leg. Stick to your three and a half litre diesel for now. Or if you have a reasonably large family and you need a six or seven seat people carrier, there aren't many of those being sold on the EV market at the moment. The nearest you can get is probably the eight seat Mercedes Evita, which is ridiculously expensive. Also, if you need an estate car, then at the moment, June 2021, you're limited to the MG EV5. It's not a bad car, it has a reasonable range of 180 miles and costs about the same as a Ford Mondeo. Other than that, nothing. This is one that I always find quite amusing. I don't have off-street parking. What am I supposed to do? Trail an extension cord across the pavement? Good point. Considering, however, that nobody has a home petrol pump, the fact that they don't have off-street parking for home charging seems to be a sticking point for a lot of anti-EV pundits. The statistics are that around 40% of UK households do not have off-street parking. That's a good point. But what it doesn't identify is how many of these dwellings actually have a vehicle. If you look at some of the larger cities, such as London and Birmingham, a lot of dwellings that don't have off-street parking don't actually have cars. In places like London, you don't need a car. Public transport works. Those that do need a car for occasional travel tend to rent one when they need it, or use a service such as Zipcar. I would contend that the number of cars that do not have off-street parking is actually fewer than the 40% the statistics would indicate. And this figure also moves in the right direction when you look at the number of people who have multiple cars in one driveway. I regularly see people in my area that park anything up to four cars in their drive. How does that screw up the stats? We know that living without a home charge is not a detriment to having an EV. Podcast co-founder Simon has been living in a block of flats without a home charger since he got his i3, ooh, best part of four years ago now. It's not a problem for him. Is it more convenient than having a home charger? No. Is it more convenient than having to find a petrol station and spend £200 a month on fossil fuel? Absolutely. It's an attitude adjustment. If you want to make it work, you can make it work. So how do we move forward with this? Well, the first thing to realise is that there are people for whom the move to an EV is a big scary thing and something that they're absolutely not going to do under any circumstances. We mentioned these Luddites earlier on. There's nothing you can do to change their mind. So the simple solution is don't. Let government mandates, changes to the law and increased fossil fuel ice costs bite away at them until they have no alternative than to move to an electric vehicle. But for others, the simple answer 
is education. We talked about education a couple of weeks back in episode 89. In that episode, we said that there are lots of different sorts of education that need to take place, one of which was myth-busting, the next of which was the selling points of EVs, quiet, reliable, cheap to run, fast, and easy to charge at home. For every argument that that I've stated above, there is a piece of education that can be put forward to help somebody understand the situation when it comes to EVs. Long charging stops? No. Put in enough, then head off to your next stop. Waiting to charge? No. Leave your car charging, then go eat, pee, update Facebook. You were going to do that anyway. No home charger? No home petrol pump. Many people live without home chargers. It's not the end of the world. It can be done. Can't do long distances? Yes, you can. 600 miles with two 30-minute stops? That's fast enough and far enough for anyone. But by far the best way to get someone into an EV, as we have said literally dozens of times on this show, is to actually get them into an EV. Get them out to somewhere like the EV Experience Centre in Milton Keynes, where they can have a 20-minute ride for free, or take away an EV with the appropriate charging RFID cards and education for £30 for two days and a night. Or get them into a test drive at a mainstream dealer who produces electric vehicles. Renault, Kia, even Honda. Just get them behind the wheel to experience things like the smooth ride, the quiet drivetrain and the regen. Then explain the relative cheapness of charging. You won't change anybody's mind if they've convinced themselves that EVs are not the way forward. But if you expose a sceptic to an EV in a way that's non-threatening, they may well convince themselves that the pros outweigh the alleged cons. To summarise, What my conversations with a lot of EV hesitants has revealed is that, almost without exception, they want the EV experience to be absolutely identical to the ICE experience. They want to be able to travel the same distances without refilling, fill up in the same length of time, and have exactly the same parameters as they had with a turbo diesel. To which my reply is, really? Is that not the same as saying, I want my smartphone experience to be absolutely identical to my old landline experience? Don't you want it to be better? You're saying you want to have to go to a specific petrol station every week and pay an absolute fortune to keep your car running instead of sucking electrons from your own home or from a fast charger? You want to go shopping or to the cinema or to a restaurant or to a pub and have your car sitting in a car park doing nothing and then you want to make a specific trip out to have to fill your car? The number of people I know who stop at a motorway service areas Spend 30-45 minutes getting food, checking the phones, having a pee, exercising the dog and all the kids. Then have to drive another 100 yards along to the petrol station where they then have to stand for a while to fill their car and queue to pay. How does that make sense? I'm also consistently amazed at the number of people who base their whole car purchasing decision on a single journey that they might make once a year. They do 10 or 12,000 miles annually, most of it commuting but they won't get an EV because it means their annual one-off trip to Devon might take 30 minutes longer than it does now, despite costing them anything up to 90% less than it did before. It's all in the mindset. It's time for a cool EV or renewable thing to share with you listeners. How to make sure climate change never gets addressed, an oil-funded troll's guide. I read this article recently, the link's in the show notes, and it's a perfect example of the type of trolling and pontificating which can be seen to be pointing out the flaws in environmental policy, but it is, in reality, just prolonging the reign of fossil fuel companies. In much the same way as the tobacco companies funded research which cast doubt on the science, even when there was no doubt, some of the points raised in the article are identical in that they give those with the anti-eco mindset fuel to justify their decision to not go green. It's an excellent case of the perfect being the enemy of the good. 
Once you read this and see what's happening, it makes a lot of sense. And that's the show for today. Hope you enjoyed listening to it. If you want to contact me, I can be emailed at evmusings at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter at MusingsEV. If you want to support the podcast and the newsletter, please consider contributing to become an EV Musings patron. The link's in the show notes. If you want a quick reference ebook to read on your Kindle, I wrote a little something called So, You've Got an Electric. It's available on Amazon Worldwide for the measly sum of 99p or equivalent, and it's a great little introduction to living with one of those them there electric cars we keep talking about. Links for everything we've talked about in the podcast today are in the description. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe. It's available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave a review as it helps raise visibility and extend our reach in search engines. If you've reached this part of the podcast and are still listening, thank you. Why not let me know you've got to this point by tweeting me at MusingCV with the words 525 miles easy. Hashtag if you know, you know. Nothing else. Thanks as always to my co-founder Simon. You know, his latest health kick is an attempt to work off the lockdown weight he's put on. He's doing the whole hog. Diet, exercise, meditation. But he finds it hard because he misses certain foods. It drives him crazy when he sees this when he's out jogging. While I was there, I saw numerous people sitting outside the Starbucks drinking coffee or outside the Greggs wolfing down their steak pies. As always, thanks for listening. Bye-bye.